The NCAA tournament is over. Pacers have lots of draft picks this year. Which prospects had good or bad tournaments that the Pacers may need to keep an eye on? Plus, which youngsters for the Pacers have stepped up in recent weeks and established themselves heading into next year? And how should the team's focus change now that they're eliminated from play in contention? Lots to get to all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, fun and busy show to get to. Jimmy Cook from 1075 The Fan and many other places is going to join us to talk all things Pacers and NCAA tournament, which just wrapped up last night. I'm recording this before it's over, so I have no idea who won the title game, but you know what? We'll talk a little bit about it today. We cover some prospects with good or bad tournaments, and the Pacers have lots of draft picks. So they care a great deal about a lot of these guys. We also discussed the Pacers play recently in which young guys have established a momentum heading into next season, and at the end, we talk about the Pacers' focus now that they have been officially mathematically eliminated from playing contention. Lots of fun stuff with Jimmy Cook. Let's get right to it. We are now joined by Jimmy Cook. He's currently hosting the Midday Show at 1075, the fan, the voice of Ron Colley Athletics. You've maybe heard him on a summer league broadcast watching the NBA before. Indie legend, Jimmy Cook, <laughs> NCAA tournament finals in about an hour. How you feeling? How's your basketball life these days? Look, anytime you have a national championship up for grabs, I'm all about it. By the way, Indie legend is probably a disgrace to everyone that's ever had the name legend. <laughs> in front of them tied to the city, but I appreciate the kind words all the same. Look, I'm hyped. Uh, I vowed to myself I'd be hyped regardless of what the matchup held for tonight's championship game. Did I want it to be an all-Florida final? Did I bet on it to be an all-state-of-Florida final? Yes, I did. I'm out on both counts, but it's a national championship, and everybody that's saying... Uh, UConn's going to roll them because they look great and they look awesome. That's fine. If this tournament has taught us anything, particularly this year, expect the unexpected. I was on the show today. I scooped the seven and a half. Let's go Aztecs, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> you you made a mistake and bet with your heart. If you bet against your heart, you're happy either way. But that's okay because yep. uh, in the locker room before a Pacers game recently, a couple of the players were asking who everybody was picking to go to the championship. And I was the only one in the room who said San Diego State's going to win it all. So I'm going to look potentially very smart tomorrow. Bravo to you. Uh, You picked them to win it all or make it to the championship game? There were only four teams left, but I said... Okay, Final Four. I said they would win it all. That was my Final Four prediction. That gives me another reason to root for the Aztecs tonight, then, because (laughs) I would love nothing more than for for you to have a leg up. This is a Pacers podcast, so we're going to use the NCAA tournament to talk about the draft because uh, the Pacers could have a very good pick and two other first-round picks and maybe a great second-round pick, and they can't pick that many players, but they're going to pick some players this year. And the NCAA tournament does not currently feature any of the top five prospects. It did at one point, although the only NCAA guy in the field had an awful tournament. So I wanted to talk about some of the guys who've done well that I like of these prospects, and we could talk about Brandon Miller having an awful tournament also, if you'd like to. Has anyone stood out to you in a positive way? In this tournament, I have five names up. We're not going to do all five. That would take too long. But any prospects that look likely to get drafted that you really liked this tournament? So there's been a time or two this season where I wasn't fully on board the Grady Dick train. And even though they got bounced 
earlier than a lot of people would have liked. They got must bust, which happens you know all the time. I'm not saying this is a prospect that could wind up with the Pacers, even though in some of the recent mocks of not like those in the know, but those that look at the data and are making mocks based on just fit and based on need for each team. There are a couple that have Grady Dick going to the Pacers, but I look at just his size and the way he's able to create in general, not only in the open floor, but in half court sets, it, it excites me to an extent for a freshman that was, you know, being carried at the start of the season amongst the big 12 as, as one of the hot commodities of the season. It's so hard to gauge these prospects though, for me, Tony, based on just what they did in the tournament. For example, I think that even though his game might not be complete right now, if the Pacers, assuming they miss out on the Wenbenyama sweepstakes, the last time I was on this podcast, we were saying our prayers. We were hoping that maybe a year <laughs> would pass and the ping pong gods would smile kindly on us. Uh, that's a story that's yet to be seen. But if we're going back to maybe more realistic prospects and over the last two months, Brandon Miller has exceeded the realistic angle. Like he could very well be off the board before the Pacers get selected. But why I don't take a ton of stock completely in what happened during the NCAA tournament is in my mind, Brandon Miller, he should be falling back towards the Pacers uh, angle, the way that he played thus far in March or, or during his run in March. And that's probably not going to be the case. Most scouts are, are more advanced than just looking at a three or four game sample size as to, where he should be gauged for his overall NBA projection. Um, so so Gr Grady Dick kind of jumps out at me right off the bat, um, it, it, trying to, it, to go off of just stuff that, that jumped out uh, over the course of the entire tournament. Uh, Nick Smith and, and Anthony Black, I thought, were outstanding at times for Arkansas. Again, we go back to, to kind of that, that must-bust mentality there. One of my just, names. You just, got just, one. Just, Anthony just off, Black, that was one of my names. Build off of that for me because I, I enjoyed his tournament uh, for, from start to finish. Well, okay, so I, the, my thing with the tournament is like, I don't think it should change like significantly your evaluation of a player. You know what I mean? Like, like I would not drop Brandon Miller at all for this. I'm also not going to rise up anyone a ton unless they're like, what well, just happened? It's a way different player. Yeah, Anthony Black is just kind of a lot of stuff the Pacers would be like, oh, we need all that. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's very heady for the ball. He scored it well in the tournament. He made Arkansas look good, like shot it decently well from the field, not from deep. In fact, he shot pretty awful from outside. But, you know, every game, a bunch of steals, running out on the floor. And the reason I think that's important is, you know, unlike last year where they were kind of a Blake Slate heading into the draft this year, it's very clear what their identity is, how their best players want to play. If you can play like that, that's good, right? That's going to make you more valuable to them. Yep. He looks like he'll go after, even if they have an awful lottery day, like worst possible, they're still probably a little bit ahead of his range, but with so many other things in their asset trove, you know, they could get anybody. Like you, if you're the Pacers, you literally have to scout like everybody because anybody could end up in your range, depending on how the night goes. Yeah, he's one for me. Um Jaime Jaquez, UCLA. Oh, one like, one very close to my heart. He was on the Adidas circuit when I was a play-by-play -play broadcaster there, one of the last players from that cycle. I, I love me some Hymiakas. That, that He's older, uh, for sure. He's not a first-round guy. Well, he might end up first-round guy. He was great <laughs> in the tournament. That dude can score the yes. freaking ball. Uh, it's very impressive at his height, the what he, how he's able to play, what he's able to do, how he got better year-to-year is impressive in college as well. I know Kevin Pritchard really values that because it kind of shows the guys love the game. He's another one who in the tournament 
you know, I, I already kind of knew who he was and what he, what he was about, but watching him, I was like, oh, <laughs> this guy is very interesting to me. Uh, and another one for me, I guess, because it's an obvious answer that I we should have said to begin with, but how much will his stock realistically rise remains to be seen. But you talk about a guy that could fly up the boards because of what they what he did in the NCAA tournament. We haven't mentioned Isaiah Wong's name yet. I mean, a critical oh, yeah. piece of that right. Miami run to the Final Four. Uh, you couldn't point to one of those games uh, along their path to get there where he wasn't as electric as running mate Nigel Pack. And the last mock that I saw before the tournament, he was taken as a as an early to mid-second rounder. So, again, I know this question isn't just who would fit the Pacers. It's more or less who improved their stock the most big picture in the NCAA tournament. So I'm not saying spend a first-rounder on Isaiah Wong, but the stock is trending in the right direction for him after what he did for Miami this year. Is he taller than me? I don't know your listed height. His listed height <laughs> is six four. He's taller than me by yeah, three inches. Yeah, he's taller than me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's one. a good player. His sure. tournament was good. Uh, I'm morally not allowed to talk about Miami players after the tournament they had against the Hoosiers in both men's and women's. So uh, I have no comment on <laughs> on his play. He did do well. Yes, uh, that's all I am allowed to say. Under As those. a fellow IU yeah. alum, I, I guess I didn't sign that part of the clause. That's my bad. <laughs> I apologize, Hoosier Nation. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I was. I'm one of those where if you beat us, I want you to go win the whole thing. Yeah, so I, I kind of too. adapted to Miami, <laughs> and I also really, really like Jim Larnega. Always have. Maybe, maybe like it's just Larnaga. the maybe, 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 maybe it's the the old man like 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 syndrome of it, where it's like I just want this coach to finally achieve his dream <laughs> of winning a national title. And some of my early basketball memories are that George Mason run as an eleven year old. Like so, yeah, I would have loved it to come full circle. Did it stink that in the rare rare back to back bouncings by the same school of the men's and women's programs and back to back nights did that sting? Yeah, it did. I won't lie. I don't want to talk about Miami, the heat, any hurricane, <laughs> even a real hurricane for at least a year until someone else knocks the Hoosiers out of the tournament. If they make it next year, I'd be kind of impressed with, given what it looks like their team could end up being. Uh, we're not going to talk about the Hoosiers on this. Another guy who is playing tonight. We'll see if he has a good game because this could look incredibly stupid to anyone listening the day after the tournament, which the game tips for those of you listening for us in an hour. Andre Jackson Jr. on UConn, not their best player. Not their best NBA prospect, but that dude, that dude sprints for 40 minutes. He's somehow always in the right spot on both ends of the floor. He mops up every rebound despite not being enormous or huge. He's like Ben Matherin size and is getting seven, eight rebounds a game. He's a great passer. He's a good steals guy. I, he, I, I don't think he'll end up being a first round guy, but he might because he's just absolutely everywhere. I know that's not like a prospect. Fans are going to be like, yeah, but oh man, I think he is awesome. When you look at the treasure trove of picks that the Pacers have, and I and I know a number of the big high value ones are the ones that the members of the media like myself like to talk about is those three first round picks they're going to have at their yep. disposal. He's projected going into the tournament as a second round pick, but there's no doubt with the way he has made himself almost invaluable, like you mentioned, always finds a way to be at the right place at the right time for UConn, works hard, on both ends of the floor. Uh, if his stock was to rise to the point of he's late first rounder now and you're the Pacers and you're keeping all those first round picks, which I think, I don't know where you're at on that, but I think we'd both kind of be surprised if they ended up drafting 
three rookies in the first round. It almost just um, seems impossible. Like not even, not even just from like a having young guys perspective. It's like, yeah, <laughs> they had, that'd be their whole team. They're just done. That's it. Yes. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe, maybe the, the pocketbooks of, of, of the Simons, they're fine with that. All jokes aside <laughs> though. I don't, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think that they're going to come away there uh, with maybe two selections uh, in the first round versus using all three. However, you need guys like that, the dynamic that can do it on both ends of the floor, even if it's just like you call, talk about innings eaters in baseball. I don't want to say minutes eaters, but somebody that can make high volume contributions for you in the middle portions of games. That is, I think, the floor that you're projecting out to an Andre Jackson Jr. right now, uh, if that's a prospect the Pacers decide to invest in. Can I quickly talk about two other guys? We're going way longer on this than I anticipated. Always. One. Uh, my favorite prospect for the Pacers didn't have the best tournament, but I just like talking about Jarris Walker. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's huge. He's a good defender. He had four blocks in their elimination game. He had six blocks against Auburn. He gets some steals. He had a crazy amount of rebounds. He can't really shoot, but I mean, for everything the Pacers need, if he just never touches the ball, he'd be like perfect prospect, but not at the best tournament. Uh, Houston in general, I think is not throw the tournament another prospect who should not be a Pacers pick at all <laughs> given the construction of the current team Derek Lively was awesome for Duke that dude can bounce like crazy he's a block machine he had six against Oral Roberts he rebounded it pretty well he can't score at all he doesn't he, he's very much a play <laughs> finisher but uh two big ish guys that are good on defense that is what I like in big men they were both impressive do you have anybody else from the tournament I do have one more and and there, there's a ton of bias. That time makes me nervous it. for what you're about to say. Yeah, no, I, it is. So, <laughs> Jalen Hutchinson is obviously going pro. Oh no, and, that's good. Like and, and and I and I'm not necessarily saying that I I was wowed any more than I was over the course of the regular season, based on his tournament. But and maybe you want to say, oh, they were empty jumpers. They were down by that point. What did it matter? You talk about flashes where a player shows they're an NBA guard or they can make big time shots. And again. I know they were down double figures at this point, but you compile the back-to-back-to-back triples that he made late against Miami over the course of his entire body of work of the regular season, I see flashes of why people want him as an NBA-ready guard towards the middle to back end of this draft. Do I think it's going to be a development project for him or there'll be a learning curve? Absolutely. But I look at just the... Mo- like Take your breath away. Like, oh my goodness, he's still hitting threes. And the way he took over against Purdue and the list goes on of moments that he had this season to where I know I'm expanding it a little bit outside of the tournament since IU only had two games to work with, but I get why there's a lot of hype for him and why the bugaboo of, oh, he's going to have the same path as Romeo Langford where he leaves maybe a little earlier than no he way. should have. And then it's it's an NBA career in the G League or on the back end of minutes with the, the Spurs, I think, is where Romeo's at now. No, I don't envision that being the path for Jalen. I think he's going to have a very successful NBA career. Yeah, tournament was fine for him. Probably should have been better. But it's it's stupid to look at a prospect's best, best game and be like, this is what he'll be in the pros. Yeah. Uh, but Huchifino, the game you said, that Purdue. And I think it was Northwestern, right? Really early in the season when he had his first 30-pointer. Yeah. It's just like and the blueprint for how this guy's good is super obvious, and it's how the NBA is, where it's like when there's more space, he'll just be significantly better. Uh, tournament finals tonight, we'll see how it goes. Irrelevant to the Pacers, uh, the result of the game. They just want to see 
some prospects. And UConn has two, and San Diego State's just a very good team without any like super obvious NBA guys. We'll see how it goes. Hey, guys, quick little break so I can talk to you about game time. Buying tickets for any big event you go to should not be stressful. I used to scalp for Purdue basketball tickets growing up, and it was so difficult trying to find last minute, hunting down the best prices. It should not be a stressful process. It is. Game time gets rid of that. It's the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code lockdown nba for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and then redeem code lockdown nba all one word for twenty percent off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed let's talk more pacers jimmy i want to talk about they're young guys because it is learning mode, development mode, internal development mode, whatever stupid phrase anyone wants to use. I accept it as long as it references growth, development, whatever. They all mean the same thing and are exactly what the Pacers need to be focusing on down the stretch. We'll talk about that later. But there are guys that have been playing a lot. You know who their oldest starter has been in their last five games, Jimmy? Uh, TJ McConnell. Yeah, he has not started, so he is not. The oh, starters. I, I didn't hear you. I heard age and then I jumped to the question. <laughs> that, that is uh, uh, buddy. He might be older than him. Either way, their oldest starter in their last five games is Jordan Wara. Wow. Uh, they, they are leaning in on the young. You know, it doesn't feel like it because, you know, he's still playing McConnell still playing. But like I'm playing a lot of young dudes, a lot of minutes. And, you know, you get more evaluation of those guys in those situations in these last I don't care how far back you want to go since the all-star break last few weeks, whatever, since they've had to pivot, whether that's because Halburn's injured because Turner's been out, whatever, who has impressed you or maybe put some momentum behind their name heading into next season that you feel like, yeah, that guy's role with the Pacers should be maybe a little bigger than it looked like early in the season next year. So he hasn't been as electric and take overy as I wanted him to be when I kind of banged my fist on the table with you last year and said, this is who I want the Pacers to draft but Benedict Matherin, outside of the obvious improvements that he has to take on the defensive end, has been at times as fun or as electric of a watch that I hoped he would be when he made this jump from college to the pros and the Pacers selected him in last year's draft. Even look at the last five, and again, I understand that it's a one-in-three stretch over this, so we're just looking at numbers, but 26, 29, 15, and 19, a near double-double in that. Uh, just wild 149 to 136 loss to the Bucks last week, a game where, you know, defense was basically checking at the door and it's not uh, important at all in this matchup for a title contender and for a team that's uh, team ping, as we've been joking about it on 107.5 The Fan. Um, Benning Mather is probably my, my front house leader for that. Again, he definitely has to pick it up on the defensive end. I don't know how much of that is just the woes that come with being a rookie and trying to, grasp particularly the defensive concepts that are asked of and begged of Rick Carlisle from his group. Um, Coach Carlisle has continued to preach a ton this year what his defensive principles are. And there's been a large time where I don't think it's a buy-in issue. I just think it's at times uh, the up and downs of the injuries, the flaws in certain points of the roster where they have not matched what he clearly wants out of this group, which is to be one of the top defensive efficient teams in the league. And they haven't been that they've been, they've been the bottom of that camp. So 
I give Mather a pass in that regard because it's pretty much been team wide. The other one that's impressed me the most has been Andrew Nemhard. Um, I mean, he, he, I don't think that he gets talked about nearly enough because of we stray away from the Pacers because of the struggles that they've had to this point in the year. And it's basically like, are we there yet? Is the train <laughs> finally over? Oh, there's three games left. New York, Detroit, New York. Okay, let's go. Let's get to the finish line. Let's end it. But his ability to continue to flourish, particularly on both sides of the ball, and uh, I don't know, just watching him play brings joy to me. So so Nemhard and Matherin are, are my two front rookies that I've enjoyed the most. Hey, it turns out uh, drafting well is important. Yeah, <laughs> Matherin has been like, he's had to start since he's, started starting those are words um the last eight games since he returned from injury and immediately went to starting 16 points 4.3 rebounds on this is the big part for me 52 percent from the field yeah 38 from deep 85 percent from the line he was not finishing plays well right before the like after the break before he got hurt yeah. so the the shots going in has been good obviously he's been really good these last eight games he continues to look good as Rick carlisle says with more responsibility right that's great um the assist numbers not looking great, one point one, um, but the manner of which he's doing them, right? He had an over the shoulder pick and roll pass to Jalen Smith last week against the Mavs. He's you know he's just they're they're passes that you're like okay good like you need to be able to do that a lot and yeah. you can't you know I haven't seen like any of it so if you can do it a little that's at least the positive momentum I'm talking about in these games that these guys would hope to get going into next year. And the thing for Matherin that I think has been the biggest thing b between coming off the bench and his just like not being the best team defender this year, he hasn't gotten tough matchups, but like in the last week he's been guarding good players, like a lot, right? Yep. Drew, uh, well, whoever on the Mavs <laughs> uh, last night he was guarding for you listening two nights ago, he was guarding Garland a lot. He was guarding Mitchell a lot like that is stuff that will really help him. Uh, I, I did type his name down. I had three names I wanted to get to. Nembard was another one, and you mentioned him. So good. I get to just continue opining on players, which is always exciting. Uh, the passing for him has been enormously imp impressive. Since Halliburton went down, he did play in two games in the stretch, seven assists per game for Nembard, 16 points on 48-41 splits. He's shooting from everywhere. He's getting to his spots. That's what's most impressive to me is his ability to observe himself as a score, still inconsistent in that way, but the fact that he's blending the passing and shooting has been impressive, and that baked into those stats is the two games that Halberton did play where he had six points and three assists and 12 points and four assists, so really his numbers are better when he's starting at the one. The last guy I typed down that I would like you to talk about a little bit, if you don't mind, um, so since the, the first game after the All-Star break, Jordan Wara is averaging 14.3 points, 5.3 rounds, and two and a half assists, 49, 43, 71 splits. He is doing a lot of things that impress me. One, he's making twos. <laughs> he never took twos or made twos with the Bucs, which sounds like really reductive, but he just didn't. Two, he's putting the ball on the floor every so often, and that's not something I, I really expected him to do. And three, he's like a consistent 10 points a game guy almost every time. He's been below 10 twice since that game I mentioned, we had 18 against Orlando in their second game out of the break. So basically, once he got like, you know, more than one practice with the new team under his belt, he's been really solid for this team offensively and like showing skills I never knew he had. He's been the guy that I'm like, okay, next year I have a little bit more belief on what you're going to provide this team than I did before, like right when they acquired him. I mean, you just look at the month of March alone, 
just a tick under 50% from the field, 44% from beyond the arc. You mentioned it averaging right around 13 and five over that span just for the month of March. And the second that they turned on his expansion into minutes, right? Trying to kind of feel him within what Rick Carlisle Carlisle wanted him to be able to be a part of during this stretch run. And I get it. I understand they didn't achieve their goals. I'm not mad they didn't achieve their goals. I, I've been pretty clear about that. I don't see the point in the plan. I don't buy in the process of, oh, this will really help this group be ready for next season, getting bounced by 30 to the Miami Heat or whoever they would face in the, uh, uh, I don't know where it is right now, in the 7-10 slot. doesn't matter. They're out. My point is, since he got that activation, 18, 16, 10, 10, 18, 20, 33 against the Hawks uh, just a couple weekends that ago. That was sick. That was just and, and, and that's just looking at his points as well. That's going along with sniffing double doubles left and right. That's chipping in five to six assists along the way and being efficient when called upon from beyond the arc. Everybody pondered what Jordan Wara would look like in an expanded role, how he would operate given the opportunities that he did not get in Milwaukee. And he has. He's been a shining star. I'm not saying he's like an elite level all star that you're going to hang up in in Indianapolis next year by any means. But he has fit the mold of what this team needs of a player of his caliber, of a player of his size at six eight, kind of being able to switch between a three and a four like look for whatever the Pacers are asking out of a lineup. What do they go small and he's kind of a, a a smaller small forward that's playing down low as a power forward in that regard, just from a, a lineup standpoint. I've loved everything I've seen out of him. It couldn't have possibly worked out better for the Pacers and for Jordan Nwora being able to have this expanded role with a team that has been looking for somebody that fits his mold for the better part of, I mean, really since the trade deadline last year when they got rid of Sabonis, who was going to be able to be a complimentary piece, but be less demanding with the basketball than Sabonis was. Look, it's not f- fair to call this luck because this is a lot of scouting and yeah. identifying talent by the Pacers. But to resurrect Jalen Smith, Aaron Neesmith, and Jordan Wara in a one-year stretch from teams where they just couldn't get minutes and then turning them into something, that's hard. Like Teams try to get these second draft guys all the time and can't because they're either not as good as everybody thinks they are or it's just not possible because everybody recognizes how good they are. Get Hitting three in a row, like that's really hard and so credit to them for for doing so and the thing with the war is i kind of thought when they acquired him like he's kind of auditioning for a rotation spot next year you know who knows if he'll be better than brissette or than nismith or whatever very clearly like good enough to play for them next year maybe not as a starter but just like in the rotation in some form he could play three and four they put him on luca and i didn't go like great but it's like the fact that they did that i'm kind of like okay they you know (laughs) they're trying to develop something here so those are the three, the two that you said, plus war that I've been like, okay, this is yeah. good for how I feel about what they're going to do next year. Jalen Smith's shown some stuff defensively that is like, okay, this guy's a five. That's like, obviously we knew that, but just that's good to know. Isaiah Jackson's been okay on the glass. Aaron Neesmith is rock solid every night. Like th- none of them have been like bad, especially compared to expectations. But those three stand out as the three that you're like, if you're the Pacers, you feel great. This is what we want. You're going to play for us next year. Awesome stuff, guys. Way to go. This is an unfair bar to set, but I'm going to do it because I think Locked Uh-oh. On Pacers demands it. Okay. Oh, I mentioned Benedict Matherin at the top. <laughs> what do I want out of him? I want somewhere, and I know these are two of the biggest names the franchise has had the last 15 years. I want at least to be on the track to somewhere between Danny Granger and Paul George next year. I know that would be a massive leap out of improvement from him, wow. but 
that is the type of sophomore campaign that I would like to see from Benedict Mathern. I know it's a team game. I know that when the Pacers are at their best, it's more than just one individual. But if you look at the idea of having a, a player of Matherin's caliber that could meet somewhere in the middle of those lofty expectations next to Tyrese Halliburton, plus whatever they draft next year, combined with the pieces we've already talked about, next year could be a lot of fun. Next year is where I'm not going to be banging a drum for Team Ping. I'm going to be like, where is this train going to finish? Aim higher. If we're yes. going that high, aim even higher. Get some Jermaine O'Neal in there. Please. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Why not grow to Rick Smith's height while you're at it? <laughs> hey, I, I didn't say Reggie. Okay, I drew a line. I, I drew a line somewhere. Okay, we can only we can only reference so many legends today. You are the only <laughs> one that we'll get to. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Recently, switching jobs for me was stressful. I had a lot of time to figure out that I needed to, a little more structure in my day, make more lists. That really helped change my life. Got to know myself a little better, and that could be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want, why we react the way we do until we work through and talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Learning positive coping skills, therapy can help with that. Setting boundaries, that can be another benefit of therapy. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your lifestyle. You fill out a brief questionnaire, and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist and can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's close out with the easiest topic, not easy as in simple to discuss, but just like I feel like the the consequences are lower now for the Pacers. They've been eliminated, Jimmy, uh, and they've already kind of not thrown in the towel, but just you can tell by their rotations what their goals have been the last couple of weeks. Rick Carlisle's talked about responsibility and learning. And you, like I said, Jordan War has been their oldest starter. But does anything to you, should they change anything with, you know, they're actually mathematically eliminated now anybody that's of value and i mean like high level value that that there's nothing to be gained left in these final three games shut them down or minimum minutes uh i i joked with you uh, a little bit before we started recording again this is just my my commentary on it uh if if coach carlisle was to call me tomorrow like hey is there anything i should be doing differently right now Call up as many G Leaguers as the league allows you to. Okay. I, I want I want Fort Wayne Mad Ants invading the Pacers team bus for the next uh 10 days. Because look, I haven't been totally out on this team in terms of viewership, right? I, I've still been catching on Valley Sports. I was at the Thunder game last week. Uh, I had to remind my seven-year-old nephew that, hey, I'm glad you got to see a win for your first Pacers game. I'll explain to you in five years, the sacrifice that you made to set the franchise back potentially an extra five (laughs) years for that win. Drama aside. No, don't really change anything. Keep doing what you're doing, baby. I don't need any more defensive progressions. I don't need any more improvements on there. Let's go. Loss, loss, loss. Finn, let's be done with it and pray the ping pong balls fall where they need to. Look, I get, I get why, like, long-term, winning that game could end up being bad. I'm not going to push back on that argument at all. But the fact that your seven-year-old nephew is the exact guy that's, like, the embodiment of why you try to I win. You know I, what understand. I mean? I There's 16,000 people in there who paid to see you win, dang it. I, I bought him 
a Tyrese Halliburton jersey. There you go. He walked in there with a Paul George jersey on, and I said, "No, we're not having your first game be, be met with that type of slander. We we are going to go get a Halliburton and be done with it." So yeah, it's, it's, I get it. I was happy for him. I'm happy for the next generation of fans. They'll forget about it in ten days, just like we will. Three losses and be done, please. If the, 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 what if, if one kid has a core memory from that night, Jimmy, yeah. it was worth it, right? It was worth it. Um, yeah, I asked Rick about if anything changes with the mathematical mathematical, excuse me, elimination. He started and said, "What would change?" And that and that is kind of the thesis of what I feel like is accurate. Like they have already kind of been leaning into what we just described. Like Halberton hasn't played since that back to back with Boston, Atlanta. I think that weekend was kind of their last like hurrah. Like if we win one of these, we've got a shot at the plan. If we don't, we're we have no chance. They lost both, and we have not seen Halbert or Turner since. But he healed, even got sick, and missed some games, right? So it's very easy for them to kind of stay the course. The other thing Carlisle talked about is, you know, carrying momentum into next year. We just knocked that out with with some of these young guys. Uh, but the last thing he said is just this is where it all this is what it all comes down to, right? He said you cannot underestimate or undersell the importance of internal development. Having your guys learn what it's like to have real professional responsibility. These games have to help simulate that. And our guys have stepped up and done some great things, right? Internal development. That's, that is the focus for the last three games to me. That is the phrase that matters. Get your young guys reps. Get them a little better. Get, get them prepared for what playing every day or starting every day or whatever feels like. That is what the focus is to me. Can I, can I sell you then on my idea today that I had on, on 107.5 The Fan? It, yes. Look, it's, it's pretty Try. simple. I want all the development, all all the all the great film that you can gather over these final three games. Again, New York, Detroit, New York. That's great. How about all buzzer beating losses? Or if that's too heartbreaking <laughs> for you, how about the Pacers have a shot to win each game and it rims out every time? But hey, we got plenty of good tape and plenty of good strides. And maybe those final three losses motivate the group even further to get better next season. You know, that, that's how logical the idea of playing one play in game meant to me is oh, maybe they're going to take these final three losses and it's going to make them into better men and better players next year. Yeah, they had that close loss to Charlotte and I thought they might give up. You were at the Thunder game. I thought they might lose that one. Like, oh, man, those two games. It's like that is that is what makes no sense. The Cavs game, even that they played on Sunday, like they lost yeah. by 10. So it doesn't look close. But like they were up like. A lot of that game, you know, that's perfect, right? You you compete with a competitor, you add some skills, and then you lose. <laughs> They've shown plenty of that all year, right? And I know there's been like that big win against the Bucks, uh, the St. Patrick's Day or the day before St. Patrick's Day. They have a massive win against Milwaukee, and that's something to celebrate, right? You're still in theory as an organization trying to get into the play-in. You want to have bright, positive moments. Look, that's a contender that we just beat, and then you hung with them, uh, even though they ended up pulling away from you the other night. Uh, what two or three nights ago, losing track of days. I apologize. The point is, you're exactly right, Tony. That's what you want to see is yep. matchups to get contenders. Just as a proud member of Team Ping, I I've been hoping that the matchups don't go their way, but but they showed fight and they showed they're a player or two away from really being in that Eastern Conference conversation. It, is there a difference between Team Ping and Team Pong at all? No, no, we uh, uh it's kind of like uh how Sirius and XM were like two companies and they merge and so now it's uh Sirius XM, right? So it's gonna be team ping pong by the time the draft lottery day rolls around. We'll merge together. So it's a corporate takeover, ruthless. That is gold. There is one actual change that will happen. We don't have to spend too much time on this because I did a segment on it when they signed him, but Gabe York is now eligible to play in their last three games. And lo and behold, hey, look, the only two veterans that have been playing just so happen to also be guards. It's very easy for them to 
yank one or both of them out of the rotation and play Gabe York a ton to get some eval time in these last three games. That seems kind of obvious. I don't know how much they take out McConnell or Heald to play Gabe York, but I, I feel like he will play in all three games. Just why not? See what you got with him. Let him get some some reps and time in the NBA floor. Team Ping is Team Gabe. Let's go. Let, let's let, let, let's get some rest uh, somewhere along there, whether, like you said, it is uh, for, for Matherin or or for Nemhard, or if they want to go there, just, uh, yeah, just let, let Gabe do his thing. And I, and I say that all jokes, all jokes aside, I'd like to see the G league matters to me. I like to see players from that rank get running time. What that is because the season is done with now. We're just trying to see development or whether it's because you earned your way there on a two way deal, whatever the case may be. So all jokes aside, by all means, give Gabe York some, some PT, please. I assume he will get some, Jimmy, to close. You must tell me who's going to win between the Yukon Huskies and San Diego State Aztecs tonight. I think you, UConn wins. UConn wins. They're, they're, I, everything that everybody said has been accurate in terms of how good they've been this tournament. I will say, though, the idea that it's just going to be a 20-point blowout and the, UConn's going to roll them is ludicrous to me. For two reasons, or one reason and one reason only. The biggest favorite in NCAA final, I shouldn't say history, but the last like 20 years, the biggest favorite had been uh, Duke over Butler in 2010. They were the largest favorite since tonight when the Huskies are favored by seven. The Aztecs will cover that spread. You heard it here first, even though the game might have already been started and my bet might be totally uh, destroyed by the time you actually hear this. So UConn wins, but the Aztecs cover, and good teams win, but great teams cover, Tony. You know, I've, I'm probably taking UConn by like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> They're just crushing. They're crushing everybody. It's going to be fun. Jimmy, where can people follow you and your lovely work covering all of Indiana sports and honestly way more than that? You can follow me at the J Cook. That's at T H E J C O O K. One of the variety of hosts involved on the Fan Midday Show. That's on 93.5107.5 The Fan, uh, Monday through Friday, twelve to three Eastern Time. Get depending on where you're listening to us. If you aren't on state radio waves, go to YouTube.com, search the Fan Midday Show. You can find us there. And then uh, Roncalli High School Athletics going to be picking up here pretty soon. Uh, RoncalliMediaNetwork.com. You can find our baseball, softball, lacrosse, plenty of action going on uh, for the Royals in the spring. Always appreciate getting the opportunity to highlight young student athletes uh, throughout their high school careers. Always a fun time. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, tomorrow, TBD. I have not been good at planning <laughs> this week. <laughs> Thursday. The man just got back from Cleveland. Give him a break. Nice. Come on. I did. And you gave me an opportunity to say worst hotel Wi-Fi I've ever <laughs> had. So if you listen to that episode of Lockdown Pacers, just know it took several hours to upload to the Internet to get to your ears after yesterday's game. <laughs> they were mathematically eliminated. Thank you, everybody, for listening tomorrow. There's lots to get to. I want to talk about Chris Duarte at some point. They played the Knicks. They played the Pistons. There's still lots to chat about with this team in their last five days of the season. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you soon.